As you all know, sharpfootballanalysis.com is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. We just went live with our playoff packages. Warren's lifetime NFL playoffs record is 147.88 for a 63% winning percentage, while his Super Bowl picks sit at 25 and 10 for a 71% winning percentage. Get on board now for the most profitable stretch of the season. Use code ANGLES25 for $25 off any playoff products at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Welcome to the Sharp Angles Betting Podcast. I'm Ryan McChrystal. Thanks for joining me this holiday week to talk through our week 16 betting options. And unfortunately, once again, uh, COVID is going to rule the week in the NFL. I'm sure it's going to decide some games have significant impact on others. Um, and it's definitely going to affect how we approach betting this week. Um, there's just right now, there are 221 players on the COVID list as of Wednesday evening. And you can check out that full list. We've been tracking it at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Tucker Bagley's COVID tracker is up there. He's got it broken down team by team, uh, including the date of when they were placed on the list and whether or not it was because of contact tracing or a positive test. So some really helpful information there. Check, check out that list before placing any bets or saying fantasy lineups and whatnot. Um, and unfortunately, this is, you know, this plays a huge role in how we approach the betting market this week. And I think because there are so many players that have been added to it in recent weeks, um, there's a little bit more to it than just looking at, you know, who's most effective. Um, and there's going to be certain games where you probably just want to avoid because they're, you know, if both teams have a ton of outbreaks, obviously, if there's a, you know, just a bunch of fill in guys on both sides, it becomes much harder to predict what's going to happen. So there may be certain games that you want to avoid just because there's just too much of an unknown to get a good feel for it. That's certainly possible to be the case for some games this week. Um, But there are some ways in which we can possibly use the COVID list to our advantage, or at very least inform our decisions a little bit, at least in terms of when we want to place bets. And I think that because there are so many players on the list, What's starting to happen now is we're starting to have teams that are huge COVID risks moving forward and teams that are very low COVID risks moving forward. So that could shape how we want to approach betting certain games, especially early in the week. Now, I'll use the Cleveland Browns as an example. They've had 35 players test positive since November 8th. Obviously, that's a huge chunk of the roster, and it includes key players like Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Jedrick Wills, Jarvis Landry. A ton of starters have tested positive. Now, we know that if once you test positive, once you get COVID, there's about a 90-day window where you're extremely unlikely to contract the disease again. So that makes us, you know, we should have a fairly high confidence level in that any player who's tested positive since the beginning of November, they're probably not going to test positive again until after the NFL season. So a team like the Browns that has had so many key players test positive already, once they're off the list, we should feel pretty confident that the Browns are not going to be hugely impacted by COVID again down the stretch this season and if they make the playoffs. So that's looking like a long shot at this point. But, you know, over the next couple of weeks, if early in the week you think you like the Browns, you want to bet on them, it probably makes sense to bet the Browns early in the week 
because they're not very likely to be hugely impacted by COVID at the last second. There's not going to be a Sunday morning where Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry all test positive again, because they're just very unlikely to test positive at all at any point throughout the rest of this season, because they tested positive so late in the year. Now, maybe the Browns are playing a team who's in the same boat as them. You know, there's certainly other teams like the Rams have had a ton of positive tests, but you know, if, if the Browns are going up against a team that has had fewer positive tests, especially if they're playing a team whose quarterback has not tested positive lately, and you like the Browns in that matchup to begin with, I think that means you should go out and bet the Browns right away because there's the potential for that other team to have a breakout late in the week, which obviously if it happens, you know, it's going to have a huge impact on the line. So I, I would certainly let that factor into your decision-making. Now the flip side to that is, how should we approach it if we have a team with very few positive cases? The 49ers are probably the best example of that. Our, I believe our COVID tracker as of Wednesday only had three players that have been on the 49ers COVID list all season. Now, on one hand, maybe that is some indication that they're, they've just done a fantastic job of being safe and really taking this seriously to avoid coming in contact with it. That's, that's certainly possible, but it also means they're at very high risk of being wiped out by an outbreak because they've had so few positive tests. They aren't going to, they don't have anybody within that like 90 day window where you're extremely unlikely to test positive. Although they have a high vaccination rate, they're probably the fact that they haven't had any positive tests means they're probably doing a great job adhering to protocols. But if it does somehow get into the facility, especially with how contagious this new variant obviously is, as we've seen such huge spikes all around the country, they're a team that's potentially at risk for having a huge number of players uh, pop up on the COVID list. So that, that could happen at any point over the next couple of weeks into the playoffs if they get there. Um, so that's, I mean, that's just how I would approach it. If I'm betting, if I wanted to bet on the 49ers, I would be, I would definitely be too scared to bet them until Sunday basically, because I don't know when that's going to happen. At any point in the week, they could lose 15 guys just like that. Uh, so if I like a team like the 49ers that has had very few positive tests, I'm just going to wait until game day and place the bet then when I have a much higher degree of confidence that they're actually going to have enough guys out there uh, to compete and that the line's going to stay where it is. So I, I think those are two ways that you can, you know, maybe slightly use these COVID outbreaks to your advantage or you know, I don't know if it's necessarily to your advantage, but at least, you know, helps inform your decisions on when to place these bets, because we know that certain teams moving forward are at either higher or lower risk for these huge outbreaks, uh, just because we've had so many players testing positive. So hopefully that's something we can use to, uh, use to our benefit a little bit in the coming weeks. Let's jump now to some player props that I like this week, and it's going to be a little bit of a shorter list here. Uh, partially because of so many COVID situations. Obviously, there's a lot of teams where we're just a little bit unsure uh, who's going to be playing in some key spots. Um, but one of the first ones that I'll lead off here with is I like the over on Donovan Peoples-Jones' longest reception prop. The Browns are going up against the Packers on Saturday. Um, and I think that this is a pretty good bet based on where we've seen the line in recent weeks and where uh, how Donovan, Jones, Donovan Peoples-Jones has been used in the Browns offense, specifically since Odell Beckham was cut. Um, obviously, you know, since he got to Cleveland last year, they've uh, sporadically used him as a deep threat. He's certainly capable of stretching the field. But since they got rid of Beckham, 
uh, he's started to take on a bigger role there. And he's been active for five games since OBJ was cut. And in those five games, he's seen 42% of the team's targets at 20 or more yards downfield. And he's seen at least one of those targets in every game, multiple games in there where he's had uh, two or more targets as well. So he's become their go-to guy to stretch the field. So we know he's going to get an opportunity for a 20 plus yard reception every game because they're using him, you know, one, two, three times per game to throw him the ball at that distance. And obviously, you know, he's got good speed. He's certainly capable of taking, you know, a 10 yard target and breaking off for a long play as well. Um, so now how, the question is, how does he match up with Green Bay secondary? I think, first of all, it's important to note that Jair Alexander uh, is not returning yet. So their secondary is still slightly depleted and we've seen that their defense have some struggles uh, throughout the season. We also think that, you know, he's mostly going to be matched up with rookie Eric Stokes. And as you know, we like targeting rookie cornerbacks in these types of bets. Now I will say Stokes has played pretty well this season. Uh, He's been one of the best rookie cornerbacks in the league, Um, but it hasn't stopped teams from trying to take advantage of him. Uh, he's seen an average depth of target this season in coverage at 14 and a half yards downfield. That's the fourth highest rate in the league. And he's been targeted at least 15 yards downfield, a league high 31 times. So he is playing well. We should certainly note that, but teams are really trying to take advantage of him and are preferring to throw downfield against him. So knowing that Donovan Peoples-Jones is the Browns deep threat, knowing that he is going to get opportunities lined up across uh, from a cornerback that most other offenses have wanted to challenge down the field, I think that looks like a pretty good matchup for Donovan Peoples-Jones. His longest reception prop has uh, been available no higher than 20 and a half yards this season. It, that was the its peak in week 10. It's frequently been available at 18 and a half. Um, so no, knowing that since they got rid of Odell Beckham Jr., he's their go-to deep threat. He's seen at least one target of 20 or more yards in every game, in multiple games where he's seen more than that. We, I think we should feel pretty good about that. Um, he's getting those opportunities down the field, assuming the line stays there in the high teens, or even if it you know, bumps back up to that 20 and a half that we saw in week 10. He's getting opportunities. If he just comes down with that one catch on one of those deep balls, that's an easy win for us. So the over on Donovan Peoples-Jones longest reception prop is one that I like for the Browns Packers matchup on Christmas day. The next prop I like this week, it's one from uh, the worst game of the week, maybe the worst game of the entire season, Jaguars and Jets. But I like the over on James O'Shaughnessy's receptions prop. Uh, If you're not familiar with James O'Shaughnessy, he is the Jaguars tight end filling in for Dan Arnold since Dan Arnold was placed on the IR. He has not had a huge role in the offense this season. He was virtually uh, irrelevant prior to Arnold's injury, but in three of the four games since Arnold hit the IR, O'Shaughnessy has three or more receptions. He's averaged just over five targets per game in that span. And his receptions prop has peaked at two and a half receptions this season. Uh, It's been available lower than that a few times as well. So you know, maybe this is the week that it jumps up. If it does jump up to three and a half, I would lean over, but I'll stay away if it's available at three and a half. I'm hoping it's available at two and a half because that's where it's steadily been uh, this season. And 
you know, I, I like that based on his usage that we just touched on, but also this is a great matchup against the just a terrible Jets defense. The Jets specifically struggle defending tight ends. They've allowed a 74% completion rate to tight ends, allowing just over five receptions per game to tight ends. And O'Shaughnessy is really the Jaguars' only uh, pass-catching weapon at tight end at this point without Arnold out there. Um, and just the past few weeks, we've seen a number of tight ends take advantage of the Jets and not, not necessarily a, a who's who of the best tight ends in the league either. Just last week, Mike Jacecki, five receptions for 43 yards. The week before that, Nick Vanette at the Saints, three receptions for 44 yards. Dallas Goddard the week before, six receptions for 105. The week before that, Brevin Jordan, three receptions for 23 yards. And the week before that, the Dolphins had two. Jacecki, five receptions for 50 yards. And Durham Smythe, four receptions for 37 yards. So in that five-week span, that's six tight ends that had at least three receptions. And in every single game, there was at least one of them. So assuming O'Shaughnessy's prop is available at two and a half, that's a combination of a defense that's really struggling to defend the position that other teams have had success going to their tight ends. Even, you know, relatively unknown guys like Smythe, Jordan, Vanette are having success against this defense, coupled with the fact that we've now seen a four game stretch here of O'Shaughnessy uh, as the role as the primary pass catching tight end of the Jaguars offense. And he's saying, you know, a pretty good opportunity is uh, over five targets per game and reaching at least three receptions in three of those four games. So that, that's a good combination of a defensive weakness and a strong trend for O'Shaughnessy on offense. So I like the over on James O'Shaughnessy's receptions prop if it's available at two and a half. All right, the next prop I like this week is from the Monday night game. Uh, Miles Gaskin's rushing yards. I like the under, and it's really all about the Saints defense. Um, now I will say, you know, at the top of the podcast, we talked about um, factoring in which teams have had lots of COVID cases or a few COVID cases. The saints are one of the teams that have not had a lot of COVID cases. So this is one of those bets where, because I like the under here, I'm going to hold off on betting this um, until closer to game time. Just let's be sure the saints don't have, you know, a breakout on defense and lose five starters or something like that. Uh, Cause obviously that could change things, but uh, my, my logic here is really all about the Saints defense and their ability to shut down opposing run games. They've been arguably the best unit in the league. Uh, we used the same logic last week to bet the under on Leonard Fournette's rushing yards, and that was a winner. Now, it was a winner partially because of his injury in the third quarter, but the Saints were shutting him down, and because they were winning in that game, it was you know very likely that Tampa Bay was going to continue to have to throw the ball and likely to be a winner regardless. But at the time of the injury, Fournette was averaging just 3.8 yards per carry. They've really, the Saints defense has just done such a great job of wreaking havoc in the backfield. I mentioned this stat last week. The Saints are holding opposing running backs 0.6 yards before contact below their average. That's the second best rate in the league. So teams are really having a hard time getting a strong push against the Saints front seven. The Saints are also contacting running backs at or behind the line of scrimmage on 46% of their attempts. So I mean, that's incredible. Basically half the time the Saints are meeting the running back at, at the line of scrimmage or behind it. And that's especially bad news for Gaskin. Now, I mentioned that stat last week in regards to Fournette, who when he was contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage was sort of league average. Uh, and so I said just based on the rate the Saints were getting into the backfield, you know, if he if you're not a stellar running back at plowing through that, a Derrick Henry or a Nick Chubb type, you're probably not going to have success running against the Saints. Well, 
Miles Gaskin, he's he's not even league average. When he's contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage, he's averaging 0.5 yards per attempt. That ranks 34th out of 37 qualified running backs. So, you know, although Gaskin has fared relatively well for the Dolphins this year, nothing special, but he is definitely not the type of running back who can create for himself when the offensive line uh, is unable to create uh, some space for him right off the bat. He needs a little bit of room to run in order for him to then get into the open field and maybe make some guys miss at the second level. He's not doing that run line of scrimmage. That's just not his style. Um, so against the Saints defense that's getting into the backfield basically half the time, there's going to be a ton of uh, tackles for loss in the Dolphins run game this year if if they lean on that. And now this prop has, it has the potential to drop Um but I'm hoping it's available at least in the mid forties. It's been available at 48 and a half or higher for Gaskins rushing yards over the last month. Um, but because they are playing the Saints defense, I would expect it to drop a little bit. Um, I'm willing to take the under, even if it drops to around 43 or 44, that's kind of where I'm expecting it to be. Uh, I'm expecting it to drop a little bit below what we've seen in recent weeks, but uh, if it drops any lower than that, if it drops like all the way down to 40 or even in, into the 30s, I'm, I'm going to stay away at that point. That starts to get a little bit risky where just like one long run could really hurt you. But if it's in those mid 40s, 43, 44, I'm still going to take the under. But as I said, I'm going to take the under uh, shortly before game time because I want to be sure that the Saints, who've had virtually no positive uh, COVID tests on their on the defensive side of the ball. I just want to be sure that there is no breakout there because they're one of the teams we should identify as a potential risk. And al- along the same line, I think that there's, although I don't like this as much, I'm not sure I'm going to bet it, but I wanted to throw it out there just as, you know, something else to consider if you're following the same, uh, sort of the same wavelength here, thinking that the Dolphins aren't going to be able to run the ball against the Saints. It's possible they know that going into the game and they almost immediately pivot away from the run game, which would obviously be great for us if we're betting the under on Gaskins rushing yards. But a way that they pivot away from that could be to increase Jalen Waddle's usage in the passing game. He is, although he does see deep targets, they do use him to stretch the field sometimes. 53% of Waddle's targets come within five yards of the line of scrimmage. So if they decide that they just can't run the ball against the saints, they need to pivot away from that a little bit. They're a team that, you know, typically uses lots of short passes to begin with. They don't trust Tua to take a lot of shots downfield. It could lead a Waddle to have a big game. And so I think that you should at least consider the over on Jalen Waddle's receptions in this game, because it, it could pair really nicely with the under and Gaskin's rushing yards. If you're into playing same game parlays, maybe that's, uh, that, that could certainly be two props that you parlay together there uh, as far as the under on Gaskin's rushing yards and the over on Jalen Waddell's receptions. That brings us now to Thursday night football. We've got 49ers at the Titans. Niners favored by a field goal in this game. Um, this one is a tough game to pick. I don't have a strong feel for either of these teams at this point in the season right now. Obviously, the 49ers seem to be trending in a positive direction uh, if you're, you know, jumping on that bandwagon again, this certainly could be a good opportunity to bet them, especially with the Titans having a few uh, COVID cases pop up this week. They'll be without Roger Saffold on the offensive line, without Elijah Molden on defense. Uh, most likely, we'll get to that a little bit more in a second. Um, 
But as I said, 49ers are a risky team, so we'll see what happens. Uh, it's possible that between now recording this and game time that they could have a few positive cases. So I would hold off, if you're one about the 49ers, I would hold off until uh, late in the day on Thursday to bet that game. Uh, but there is one uh, prop that I like, and it's a the over on Debo Samuel's receptions. I was ecstatic to see this line posted at three and a half because I was willing to take it at four and a half. Um, this is three and a half is his lowest line of the season. Uh, last week it was at four and a half. It's been at four and a half a couple times recently as his role in the offense, or at least his role in the passing game has dipped a little bit in recent weeks. Um, the, re- the reason why it has dropped so low is that the under on his reception has actually been the winner seven weeks in a row. Um, it was up pretty high early in the season. Six and a half was the line a few times. Um, and he had, you know, a couple of games where that was the line and he was still playing a big role. Saw six receptions at one point during that seven game streak, but with the line of six and a half, the under was still a winner. So the line just keeps moving and his receptions have just kept dropping with the line. But I think this is, I think three and a half is way too low. First of all, even though the under has won seven weeks in a row and four of those seven games, he still had at least four receptions. So if it had been at three and a half this whole time, you know, we'd have plenty of wins for the over. Um, I also think this is just a fantastic matchup. The Titans have really struggled defending uh, players in the slot this season. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's typically the role that Sanders plays. Um, wide receivers lined up in the slot. So I'm excluding when running backs or tight ends line up in the slot. But wide receivers in the slot, they average 12.6 targets per game against Tennessee. That's the second most in the league. So that trend tells us that teams have identified this as a weakness, that they're trying to get the ball to players in the slot pretty consistently. Now, this is partially due to rookie slot cornerback Elijah Molden, who I already mentioned tested positive for COVID on Monday. Uh, We have not had official word as of the time I'm recording this, but it's unlikely that he's going to play. Uh, Just to throw out some quick numbers on him, just in case he does play some relevant information. He's allowed a 56% completion rate in the slot and 9.8 yards per target in coverage in the slot. So teams are picking on him Um, where he's probably not going to play in this game. The possible replacement for this is 32 year old Buster screen screen has played in the past couple of games after he was added to the roster in late November, he started on the outside last week. But Janoris Jenkins is expected to return this week. So that probably bumps Buster Screen to the slot, which he has played uh, a little bit over the past couple of weeks for the Titans. Um, but as I said, he was a late addition to the roster in, in late November. Early in the year, he was actually on the 49ers roster where he played exclusively on special teams. So he wasn't even good enough to uh, crack the 49ers lineup. They're obviously well aware of his issues in coverage. Last year, Screen was in Chicago with the Bears. Uh, where he had the third worst completion rate allowed in slot coverage in the league at 73.5%. So, you know, screen is getting up there in age. He's really here because the Titans are just desperate for help in the secondary. Obviously he was added to help out during Janoris Jenkins absence. Now they most likely need him again to help out with Elijah Molden's absence this week. He's back to the slot where he has played in the past, in the recent past. Um, That was his primary role in Chicago last year, but he was terrible in that role. Uh, So the fact that, you know, he's a year older, he's bounced around a little bit in recent years. He's only been in Tennessee for a few weeks. 
this is a rough matchup going up against a guy like Debo Samuel. Uh, it seems like a huge mismatch. If I'm Kyle Shanahan and I'm game planning for how to beat the Titans in the passing game, I'm just throwing a Debo Samuel anytime he's matched up with Buster Screen. So if you can get this line at three and a half, do so. If it's only available, if it if it jumps up, if you can get it at four and a half, uh, you know, I might even rather take it at four and a half because you're going to get a slightly better uh, number there. You may even get a positive number. Um, so I, I think this shapes up for deep, this matchup just shapes up for Debo Samuel to have a possibly six, seven reception game. It could be a really big bounce back for him uh, in the passing game, at least. Obviously, he's still been involved in the run game quite a bit uh, as of late, but this seems like a matchup that, ten, or that uh, San Francisco needs to take advantage of right off the bat. Uh, so that wraps up our week 16 show. Uh, it's all, it feels a little bit weird to say week 16 and have it not be almost the end of the season, knowing that we've still got three full weeks of football left. Uh, but thanks for joining us this holiday week. Enjoy the holiday uh, season, and we'll catch you again for week 17. 